0: We place you on the highest
1: place for you are the great high priest. We place you.
0: To your name, oh Lord. Praises to your name, oh Lord, for your name is great and greatly to be praised. I sing praises to your
2: Well to the 25 of you who are not traveling for Labor Day, welcome to Labor Day weekend at Highland. So you have to sing twice as loud because you're covering for all the people who are traveling. Uh, Stand up, let's start our journey of worship today and totally enjoy being in the presence of a father who couldn't wait for us to get here, to uh, totally focus our minds and our hearts on him and give him the worship that only he deserves. It's going to be a great day
0: his oath his covenant and his blood support me in the whelming flood when all around my soul gives way he then is all my hope and stay on christ the solid rock i stand all other ground is sinking sand all other ground is sinking sand and when he He shall come with trumpet sound oh may i then in him be found dressed in his righteousness alone faultless to stand before the throne. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is
2: sinking sand. Amen. Be seated, please.
3: Good morning, Highland. My name is Tanner, I am a junior at ACU studying Youth Affiliate Ministry, and this is my third year attending Highland, and I've loved it. Um, If you are a college student here, or someone who wants to get plugged in to the University Ministry, please, I really encourage you to come after service to see myself, see Robert, see Ashley, see Jen, um, anyone else, please get involved. Um, This is a really special church, and we'd love for you to be here. So just as we prep our hearts for worship, I'm going to read some scripture, Uh, Philippians four says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all, the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let's stand and worship today.
0: i worship you i worship you you are here working in this place
1: i worship you i worship you you are way maker
0: miracle worker promise keeper light in the darkness my god that is who you are you are way maker miracle worker promise keeper light in the darkness my god that is who you are you are here touching every heart i worship you i worship you You are here. even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. are. that is who you are, you are stronger, you are stronger, sin is broken, you have saved me, it is written, Christ is risen, Jesus you are Lord. So let your name be lifted higher, be lifted higher, be lifted higher. So let your name be lifted higher, be lifted higher, be lifted higher. So let your name be lifted higher, be lifted higher, be lifted higher. So let your name be lifted higher, be lifted
1: higher, be lifted higher. higher. You
0: are stronger, you are stronger, sin is broken, you have saved me. It is written, Christ is risen, Jesus you are Lord jesus you are lord of
4: all amen please join me during a time of prayer i will word a specific prayer and then we will all say lord hear our prayer the screen will prompt you lord god we pray for your restoration of highland especially for those among us who are in pain who are sick and for the families of those who would walk alongside them. We pray for Tim and Tina Johnston, for Darla Swain, and for Joyce Doyle. We also pray a prayer of thanks for the life of Maria White, who passed away this week. Maria touched so many in this church and outside, and we ask that you, God, would be with her family in the way that only you can. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for the good work done through Grace Fellowship and Freedom Fellowship, where our neighbors get to experience your restoration in Abilene. Give them plenty of help, give them strength, and let everyone who walks through their doors experience the movement of your spirit and the goodness of your blessings. Lord, hear our prayer. Finally, Lord, we pray for the restoration of the world you created and for our missionaries as they bring your flourishing wherever they are. We pray specifically for the ministry, the ministries of Antonor and Phyllis Gonclives and Mark and Allie Kaiser and E2 and Ryan and Ning Bigley and Chang Mao. Lord, hear our prayer. Now, please join me in praying the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name.
0: Seated
1: above
0: Enthroned in the Father's, Father's love destined, destined to die Poured out for all mankind God's only Son Perfect and spotless One He never sinned But suffered as if He did All a thought. It is yours, all authority. name you overcame power in hand speaking the father's plan sending us out light in this Worthy of honor and glory Worthy of all of our praise You overcame Jesus Awesome in power forever Awesome and great is your name We will overcome, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, everyone overcome. We will overcome, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, everyone overcome. the night, I cannot hide the light. Whom shall I fear? You crush the enemy. Underneath my feet, you are my sword and shield, though troubles linger still. Whom shall I know who goes before me, I know who stands behind. The God of angel armies is always by my side. The one who reigns forever, he is a friend of mine. The God of angel armies is always by my side my strength is in your name for you alone can save you will deliver me yours is the victory whom shall i fear whom shall i fear i know who goes before me i know who stands behind is always by my side the one who reigns forever he is a friend of mine the god of angel armies is always by my side and nothing formed against me shall stand you hold Says, You are faithful, you are faithful And nothing formed against me shall stand You hold the whole world in your hands I'm holding on to your promises You are faithful, you are faithful you are faithful save
2: church said amen, he did. Be seated, please.
5: Good Good morning. Welcome to the table. In just a moment, the communion trays will be passed. There are two cups stacked together. One holds the bread and the other the juice. Hold them until all have been served and we'll take communion together. Today, I invite you to the table with a moment of imagination in the spirit of our curious creator. I recently read The Book of Longings by Sue Monk Kidd, a historical fiction book about a young woman who lives in the time and place of Jesus, about her story learning the truths of the love and power of God through the eyes of her dear friend, the Messiah. Today, we're going to imagine ourselves in the place of Anna, our protagonist. Feel free to close your eyes if that helps your imagination juices flow. Think of yourself in your late teens. If you want, imagine you're walking in a lonely garden outside of Nazareth, and it's only the first century. Similar to in our scripture reading for today, a humble man named Jesus has gone wandering alone. This is what you say to him. I said, you speak as if God's kingdom is not just a place on earth, but a place inside us. He answered, so I believe. I respond, then does God live in the temple in Jerusalem or in this kingdom inside us? Can God not live in both, he asked. I felt a sudden blazing up inside and threw my arms open. Can God not live everywhere? His laughter resounded off the cave walls, but his smile lingered on me. I think for you too, God cannot be contained. We come to the table this morning, acknowledging the God that resides within us and all around us, the God of everlasting life and mercy, of benevolent goodness and grace. The bread and cup we share today represents our spiritual union with God and helps us experience the paradox of divine intimacy. Servers, please come forward at this time.
0: Precious blood has left me forgiven Pure like the whitest of snow Powerful to make sin and shame retreat This covenant is making me whole So I will rise and lift my head For by His mercy my life was spared the highest name has set me free. Because of Jesus, my heart is clean. Purify my heart in your presence. Teach me to discover the joy. Holiness that forms as you draw me close In you what was lost was restored So I will rise and lift my head For by his mercy my life was spared The highest name has set me free because of jesus my heart is clean so i will rise and lift my head for by his mercy my life was spared the highest name has set me free because of Jesus my heart is clean Because of Jesus my heart
1: is
5: clean Feel prayer with me god who resides in the temples of jerusalem who works in this auditorium in abilene who moves in the hidden spaces of our hearts remind us today that you cannot be contained we desire to receive you to welcome you with the partaking of the bread and the cup of your son's body and blood through Jesus' sacrifice we have complete union with you thank you for his life and his death amen body of christ The blood of Christ. The Lord be with you.
2: I don't think any other hymn would hit this series and today's sermon better than a mighty fortress. So as soon as you've disposed of your cups, if you would stand for this grand hymn and pay very close attention to the words of spiritual warfare in the lyrics of this song. A great hymn. Thank you, Martin Luther.
0: A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing our helper he amid the flood of mortal hills prevailing, for still our ancient foe doth seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great, and armed with cruel hate, on earth is not his equal. Dost ask who that may be Christ Jesus it is he Lord Sabbath his name From age to age the same And he must win the
1: battle
0: And though this world with demons filled should And to undo us. We will not fear, for God hath will his truth to triumph through us. The Prince of Darkness grim. We tremble not for him. His rage we can endure for. are ours through him who with us sided let Let goods and and kindreds go this mortal life also the body they may kill God's truth abideth still His kingdom is forever,
1: amen. Amen.
2: Be seated, please.
6: Good morning. My name is Robert Lopez de Castilla. I'm the university minister here at Highland. It's good to see so many of your smiling faces this morning. Um, it's, it is time for his kids' worship, so kids ages three to kindergarten can go ahead and exit through here and head to his kids'. The first announcement that I want to tell you about today is our Connection lunch, which is coming up on September 24th after second service. About a year and a half ago, my wife and I, when we were looking to get connected to Highland, went to this lunch. So if for nothing else, they had really good paninis last time. Um, so if you're wanting to know more about Highland, or if you're just brand new here, you should definitely go to that Connections lunch on September 24th. Alright, we also have the men's gathering coming up. It's starting this Wednesday at 6.45 p.m. So if you're looking for a Bible study and a kickoff dinner, looking to get connected here through the men's group, you can definitely join us for that at 6.45 this Wednesday. We also have an exciting hymn sing coming up, which will be a time to sing hymns uh, and to have some ice cream. And that's going to be on next Sunday uh, night at 6.30 p.m. So come out and join us. Everyone's welcome to come on out to the hymn sing. So last Sunday, I also gave the announcements, and I talked about how how Highland has the vision to restore Abilene, restore Highland, and restore the world. And I shared with you why it's important to me that our college ministry uh, is able to send students after they graduate all across the world. But then we hosted a lunch after, and I remembered that not only do we send students, but we accept students. And we had all of these new students. We served lunch to 120 students in our gym after second service. Many of those were returning students, we were happy to provide a space for them, but many of them were new. Students who I can imagine are going through a lot of transition, a lot of change, maybe going through a lot of stress as they come through all that. And because of your generous donations, we were able to welcome those students and host this lunch and make them feel like Highland is a place that they can now call home. So as you think about giving today, I wanna let you know um, that your giving goes to important things like those lunches and many more. And there's three ways that you can give, and those three ways are listed on the slide. Thank you very much, and uh, we have the bumper video now.
7: This morning I'll be reading from Matthew 4. If you are able, please stand for the reading of the word. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tested by the devil. He fasted for forty days and forty nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple saying to him if you are the son of god throw yourself down for it is written he will command his angels concerning you and on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone jesus said to him again it is written do not put the lord your god to the test again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory and he said to him all these i will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and suddenly angels came and waited on him. The word of the Lord. You may be seated.
8: Good morning, Highland. It's it's curious there in the account by Matthew because... The devil has a, a name, Satan. But that's not the first time this word appears in Scripture. In fact, it shows up in the Old Testament in the book of Job, but it's not Satan like it's a name. It's, it has the definite article in front of it. It's the Satan. And many others have made a lot of commentary on that significance. Satan, when translated, means Accuser, And in, in the book of Job, uh, it, it, it seems like the Satan takes a very different role than we would think of as our kind of pop conception of, of evil. Because it is in the throne room of God, and the, the assembly of kind of the high council of God that the Satan appears. And it's striking, first of all, that that, that, that character would even be there. That the Satan, the devil, should be, you know, in his, his own kind of throne room in our imaginations, but but in hell, we've been influenced a lot by Dante in that sense, Dante's inferno. But not only is the Satan in the throne room of heaven and tolerated there, but he's also got something to say. It's curious. I wonder why God tolerates the Satan in Job. And I wonder why Jesus tolerates Satan in the wilderness. It's curious, isn't it? And Job, it seems like what is on trial in the throne room of God, at least what the Satan wants to bring as a charge, is that God's policies of blessing those who are obedient and cursing those who are disobedient is is a bad idea. It's, it's, It's a bad effort, and it should be disqualified. And God says, well, wait a minute. Have you seen my friend Job? There's nobody like him. And the Satan comes back and says, well, the only reason that he's faithful to you is because you've given him everything he could possibly want. He has children, and he has land, and he has property, and he has houses, and he has cattle. He has everything he could possibly need. Of course he's going to be faithful to you. And thus begins one of the most fantastic works of poetry in the entire Scripture. As God's policy proves true. And it seems, if we read the book of Job apart from Dante, that that the Satan has a purpose that's a little bit different than what we would think of. To ask the question, is God really just? To ask the question, is God really holy? To ask the question, is God's actions really the most loving? What kind of world is God trying to create, and is that actually the best world? And it seems if we read the book of Job and if we read the book of Matthew, the answer is yes. Will you pray with me, please, Father God, I am grateful to be gathered together with my church family. I'm grateful we're together because there's something that happens in this place when the Holy Spirit moves and thrives among us. It shapes us and it changes us and it makes us look a little bit more like your son. Week by week and day by day and year by year, we feel ourselves being transformed into Jesus-likeness. So Father, we put ourselves back on the anvil again. Back into the fire. Because we know that being molded and shaped, even though it feels like testing and trial, is exactly what we need our own good. So please pour through me the gift of preaching that I might speak your truth and love to these your people. It's together that the church says. Amen. The Russians learned something very fascinating during the Cold War. John Mark Comer shares this in his book, um, Live No Lies. It's kind of where we're walking together this fall. If you want to buy that book and read it, I I think it's worth your time. Uh, The Russians learned something very interesting about disinformation, about kind of combating the power of the media of the West. That when those two great powers were conflicting against one another, they didn't necessarily have to have the best lie. They didn't necessarily have to have the boldest lie. They just had to have a lot of it. They just had to promote so much noise that the signal gets lost. And that if you could create enough chaos... It would just obscure the truth, and they would triumph. The tactics that the Russians learned in the 1980s and 90s, they'd perfected and still use. Russian dif- disinformation organized two protest rallies in 2016. Remember, that was an election year that was calm and not contentious at all organized two protest rallies in 2016 in Houston. Heart of Texas, which was a Facebook Russian-controlled group, um, formed a rally to stop the Islamification of Texas. A separate Russian-sponsored group, the United Muslims of America, advertised another rally to meet at the same day, at the same location, advertised to save Islamic Knowledge. Now, both of these groups had been working for the past year and a half to build momentum through means and pithy statements and sharing articles, some which were real, but most of which were made up by fake news organizations. Um, and I realized when I just said fake news organizations, that may be triggering, but they were just pretend journalists; they weren't real. Um, And they organized these two rallies to meet in downtown Houston on the same day, at the same time, at the same place. And no one in charge appeared. No one came to the Houston rally. There were rallies that were organized to things because they all lived in Russia. In fact, all that their goal that they wanted was just one side to be so angry at the other about the fact that it could happen, that there was this other protesting rally that would come at the same space, that sure enough, hundreds of people showed up. And there was conflict. And it only cost the Russian disinformation organizers $200 in ads on Facebook. For $200, they were able to disrupt the sense of unity of another nation. It's not so much the skill and the quality of the lie. Sometimes it's just the volume of the noise. And sometimes when there's truth coming out, slipping in one word that sounds like truth but isn't is enough to hook you. It was about two and a half years ago, I've told this story before, two and a half years ago when the Me Too movement was beginning to kind of expose some of the, the um, inappropriate behavior that was happening not only in Hollywood but in other organizations around America. And, and it seemed like for a while there was, there was a, a different person every day that was kind of famous that everybody knew that was being brought into the spotlight as somebody who actually had done some pretty nefarious things. And it was in in the midst of all of those scandals being stacked up one against another. And quite honestly, there were some people that had done some pretty terrible things. That I saw a Facebook meme about Mr. Rogers being called out. And I have to be honest with you, I believed it. I believed it. I thought, oh my, and I was heartbroken. It, It destroyed me. Mr. Rogers, childhood hero. The the moral compass of my childhood. And it turns out it wasn't true. It was just a lie. It was a joke that somebody made up. But in the, in the, in the midst of truth-telling, one lie slipped through, and it caught hold. It seems to me that the Christians, Christians in particular, should be the most immune to this kind of propaganda. We should be the most immune, this should, we should have the most resistance to this kind of propaganda because we are already practiced in the fight of discerning truth and avoiding lies. So last week we, we, we focused on this, how the, the devil, the spiritual entity as the devil is described in the Bible, especially by Jesus himself and by early first century authors of the New Testament. And we saw that the the devil's main tool is a means of wrecking havoc, just creating chaos, is by lies, telling lies. And the way to combat those lies, the antidote to those lies, is to, to take captive every thought, is how Paul puts it. To examine that those lies, how are they true to what God says or who God is or if it's a lie that we've been tricked into believing, we place the lie with the truth from Scripture. And so I gave you some homework last week, and I hope you completed it. And to uh, keep a log, open up your, your, your phone and, and keep a log of, of those negative thoughts, and to write them down and to begin to look for ways to combat them with scripture. And so if you notice a pattern of something you thought during last week, of a of an untruth, of a lie that, that's been sold to you, that you've bought onto, to begin to compare that with the truth of what God says, we actually think those negative thoughts sound like the truth because we think of them so often. It's not because they can stand up in the light because they can't. It's just that the the noise is so loud. They might reflect how we feel, but it's not necessarily true. And I wanted you to think about those truths from Scripture and expose the lies for what they are. And I, I told you at the end of last week about my friend Jacob and, and how he always he felt like the lie that was resting in his soul the most often is that he didn't have enough. I don't have, I don't have enough help. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough patience to do what I need to do. And he, he spent a couple of weeks as we did this project together reminding himself that those aren't necessarily truth. But what the truth is comes from Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. And I had my own experience about that. And, and I want to offer just kind of a clarifying moment, a clarifying uh, a statement. That just because a thought is negative doesn't necessarily mean it's false. For example, Let's say, for this past week, I've been thinking, oh man, I'm terrible at basketball. And and that's a negative thought. Oh, that is a negative thought. That must be a lie. That actually means I'm great at basketball. But the reality is, I don't jump very high. And I don't shoot very well. And I can dribble with one hand if no one is around me. The reality is, I'm not very good at basketball. The lie is not in the negative reality of my skill set. The lie comes afterward. Maybe the lie is for the excuse why you can't do any better or why you're not able to change. Sometimes there's reality. And I think in our culture, we get pushed to this thinking of, and it's, it's bad thinking that says, well, that you have to be the most beautiful and the most successful and the most uh, intelligent and the most effective. And, and, and if you have just your, your morning routine down in the right way, if you take enough self-care, you're going to get to that spot. Maybe that's just an excuse, and maybe that's not what you're called to be. The truth needs to be based more in what God does through you, and for you than any sort of self-promoting sense of esteem. The point is is that we have to examine each thought, not only just the negative ones, but even the positive ones, to see if it reflects God's truth or the devil's lies. Which brings us to Avigrius of Ponticus. And he was this uh, smart and famous, and and he had lots of friends uh, with a lot of the church fathers and the bishops, and he was a thought leader at the time that he served. But he gave all that up. He was an important person in the church about the fourth century. He gave all that up and spent the last decade and a half of his life dedicated to spiritual formation with an order of monks out in the desert. And he basically goes out into the desert and someone writes him a letter and says, hey, how do I, how do I combat the demons? Many years later, he sends a book back. He developed a reputation that, even out in the desert, is someone who developed some useful practices for overcoming the devil. So people would go and seek his counsel and tutoring, and his methods were written down and compiled in a book called, which, by the way, is the best title of a book that I've ever read on theology, Talking Back, a monastic handbook for combating demons. And he noticed that he had these negative thoughts, and he began to combat them with the words from Scripture. And, and the words of Scripture he called a comeback, which I understood very early in my adolescence, as soon as I parted, started public school, is that if somebody says a mean thing to you, you've got to have something to say right back to them. And the, the, the atomic weapon of the thing coming that you can say back to them is something about their mother. You say your mama, and then you're, it goes from words to fists pretty quickly. I learned that very effectively in, in elementary school. But, but so, so he thought, what is the comeback? When you hear the lie from the evil one, what is the comeback? The rejoinder against the lies that the devil is trying to tell you or sell you. So for instance, some of the ones that he suggested was like if you're experiencing anger. Against the thought that is stirred up by anger and wants to revile the brothers comes from Exodus 23. You shall abstain from every unjust word. Against the soul that loves glory, this is vainglory or pride, from human beings more than the knowledge of Christ. He wants to, resign to us, remind us of the words of Isaiah. All flesh is grass, and all the glory of humanity is like a flower of the grass. The grass withers, and the flowers fla- and flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. And if you go and you read this book, it's been translated into to English. If you go and you read this book, He gets really personal. He is very um, transparent about confessing inner thoughts that most of us would never want anyone to find out, like the whole section of thoughts regarding, regarding lust. Against the soul that is tempted by foul thoughts of fornication and does not want to keep vigil and pray, he reminds us of Matthew chapter 26. Stay awake and pray that you may not come into temptation. His handbook is very honest and very thorough, and it, and it demonstrates kind of the, the rigor that he uses to, to, to have his own thoughts become captive to Scripture itself. But Evagrius didn't come up with this method. He learned it from Jesus. And it comes from the story that we all heard at the beginning of the sermon of the devil tempting Jesus in the wilderness and how he used scripture in his comebacks. Humans have a particular peculiarity that we will default to truth. We we assume that someone is telling us the truth unless there is sufficient evidence to the contrary. It takes a lot of work. In fact, it takes training for you to, to begin to doubt as your first reflex because we begin by believing. And so lies play into our innate desires about that. The best lies that appeal to what we want. Emotional appeals are the best ones there are. We sin because we believe the lie that what we think will make us happy. And so we come to Matthew chapter 4. And there's no doubt of a parallel that Matthew is trying to form for us. for we, We understand the big picture of who Jesus is. In the same way that the Israelites went into the wilderness to be tested, to to be proven, and fail miserably, Jesus is driven to the wilderness. Except he is not going to fail. But what we see in the temptation is that Jesus is using the truth of Scripture to combat the lies of the devil. And we learned a couple of things about the devil's lies. Number one is the lie is going to be typically subtle. If you are the Son of God. He says this to Jesus twice, if you are the Son of God. There is no doubt in Jesus' mind who he is. There is no doubt in God's mind who Jesus is. Yet, in one simple word, the, the devil is going to cast doubt on the truth of Jesus' identity. And, and wants to try to go Jesus into proving himself on the devil's terms. If Jesus takes the bait and falls into the fact that he has to prove himself to the devil, then he's already lost. But Jesus doesn't take the bait. The second thing that we see is the lie he will try to get you to believe is connected to something that you might already want. Jesus, uh, the devil says, tell these stones to become bread. And you have to remember, at this point, Jesus has been fasting, fasting for 40 days for a good amount of time intentionally not eating so that he could focus on prayer and increase trust in the Lord. We're going to talk some more about fasting in a couple of weeks. But the lies connected to the desire that you already have is important to know. It doesn't make sense for the deceiver to try to sell you, like, unimportant lies. The evil one might say, for instance, that the capital of Washington state is Seattle, which sounds true. It isn't. The capital of Washington is Olympia, by the way. Um, but who cares, right? That, that lie doesn't derail your life unless you end up on jeopardy. But, um, but the, the lies will be more likely be some sort of subtle attack on your identity. If you are the Son of God, then prove it. You don't measure up. Can you really trust these people? it's only going to be a matter of time before you fail and are exposed. Or maybe they already play into some existing desire. You deserve the thing you want. You have every right to stay mad at this person. Go ahead and take it. No one will know. I think this is an important to realize that the strategy, because the devil's go-to method of spreading lies and derailing relationships, is offering something that you think you want. But what is clear from Scripture, and you already know this, is that Jesus responds to the devil all three times with words from Scripture. He uses Deuteronomy 8, and then he uses Deuteronomy 6, and then he uses Deuteronomy 6 again. And these are words, Matthew makes no mistake, these are words that happen here that God, that God spoke to Israel when Israel was in the time of the wilderness. And it seems appropriate that these would be top of mind for Jesus. Jesus says that that humans or man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. What Jesus is saying is, God is my sustenance. I'm good. I don't have to prove myself to you, and I really don't need the bread. He also says, do not put the Lord your God to the test, which is what the devil is actually trying to trick Jesus into doing. And then last he says, worship the Lord and serve him only. All the power of the kingdom of the world cannot compare to the glory and majesty of God. So there's, there's a couple of things that we see here, things that I want us to take home. Jesus didn't have his, his, like, his Bible with him. He didn't have the scrolls of the Torah with him in the wilderness um, so he could reference it. He didn't have his cell phone and he was on Bible Gateway doing a content search. Um, Jesus had scripture in his heart, and it was there ready for him in the moment when he needed it. There is something powerful about the memorization of scripture. It's an art that I think that we have largely stepped away from in the modern West. I think there is a value of being fluent in scripture. I've heard the best definition of fluency is, is not when you can think in another language but when you can dream in another language. And I wonder what our lives look like when we're so dedicated to the memorization of Scripture that we can dream in it. So then in the moment of temptation, when the evil one is going to threaten your identity, try to tell you who you are and question God's care for you, that immediately Scripture is top of mind. Second is that prayer... Prayer is more than just the laundry list of things we need. And God absolutely welcomes, absolutely welcomes the time that you spend bringing your heart and your cares and your concerns to God. One of my favorite times during the day, in the week, is, is that short, short window after my boys are in their pajamas, we've read the stories, they're lying down and they're, they're getting ready to sleep and we begin to pray. My favorite moments are when my sons fall asleep in the midst of prayer, right? That's a beautiful thing that happens. And we have this list of people that we care about, lists of their people and their animals and their things. There's all sorts of creative moments that come out in that moment as my children begin opening their heart to God and sharing with the things that that, that they desire and that they they hope for. And they're taking that to their father. I love the beauty of what they're learning. But if that is the end and extent of our prayer lives, then we're praying like three-year-olds. Prayer is so much more. Jesus spends 40 days in the wilderness in prayer, in meditation, in silence, awaiting the word from God. And I wonder what our lives look like when we go to God with our concerns, but then wait wait to hear what God's concerns are. I wonder how that changes our life and our church. So today I want to offer you a spiritual practice, a little bit of a homework this week, if you will. Um, it's not so much the lie that I want us to focus on this week. I hope you engaged in that practice last week, and I hope that you have a a list of identifying those lies, whatever they are. Lies of lack or lies of um, hopeless dreams of basketball, lives of whatever they are. Um, But that's not where we rest. We rest in our identity as the children of God. We rest in our identity in the fact not that we're great in of ourselves, that we're beautiful or spectacular or capable or accomplished. We rest in the fact that Jesus was those things for us. We rest in the fact that God loves us so deeply and completely and fully that he gave his son to make a way for us to find a path back to him. So I want to end today with a bit of poetry. And my challenge for you is to find poetry this week. Find the truth. Maybe it's in Scripture. Maybe it's in, a, in, in music. Maybe it's in, in, in something that's true. Find, find the words this week that remind you who you are. The evil one's temptation was if. You are the Son of God. Brothers and sisters, you are the sons and daughters of God. God loves you fully and completely. There's nothing that you could do to make God love you any less. There's nothing you could do to make God love you any more. God's love is complete already and offered to you. Let me share with you the words of Lauren Daigle You say, I am loved when I can't feel a thing. You say I am strong when I think I am weak. You say I am held when I am falling short. And when I don't belong, you say I am yours. So find some way this week to be reminded of who you are in God's love. And man, just put that on repeat. Ten times a day, 20 times a day, A hundred times a day, as often as you need it, as a reminder of who you are. Will you please stand for our benediction? I am excited about the way that we are being formed and shaped into the image of God. And so let me exhort you this week. Let Let me push you, let me encourage you with teeth to remember who you are in God's love. May you be filled of God's mercy and go in peace.
9: I keep fighting voices in my mind that say I'm not enough. That.